Welcome to Here's Teresa on Talk Zone with your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Teresa is here to inspire and educate you with heartwarming stories and informative conversations from a national and global perspective. Now, here's Teresa. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and hello to all of my international listeners out there. This is Teresa E. Keeves, your host for Here's Teresa, and I am so happy that you tuned into my show as I do know that you all are busy with your life and you could have turned into someone else, tuned into someone else, but you chose to listen to my broadcast, and for that I am truly grateful. I miss talking to you all out there, so... How in the heck are you all out there this morning? I'm doing just great, just excited about my day, especially now that I'm talking to you all out there. And I'm broadcasting on the greattalkzone.com internet radio. And I hope that you guys all have the uh, app for the uh, Talk Zone. If not, just go to talkzone.com and get it, and this way you'll have it. The weather, the weather, the weather. Well, here in Arizona and in the valley, in particular, the temperatures consistently boast of being in the triple digits. In other parts of our country, individuals are experiencing a very large, um, this hurricane, this Florence, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, which we all, you know, we're all going to feel the effects of this hurricane throughout our country. And listen, to all of you out there in these areas that are going to be affected, if you have loved ones that are in these areas, please do not stay. If they are saying evacuate, you need to leave. You could be hurt, your family members as well. And remember, you can reaccumulate those material things, you know, your homes, your cars, furnishings. And I know it hurts to see those things vanish from you know, from a storm you worked so hard for. And I I understand that. But, you know, being safe is very, very important. Okay? I I love you guys out there. All right? And, um, you know, so just, you know, just uh, so many people on the news were saying that they're not going to leave. You know, this is not good, even though, um, you know, they've downed it as a Category 3 or whatever. They can do it to a Category 1 if they want. But it's, it's still dangerous, okay? Now, I have a fabulous show lined up for you with my great discussion, you know, great discussions for you listeners, along with the world's best mental health therapist, Reginald C. Campbell. And he will be coming on here in a few minutes, but let's you and I chat briefly first. Let's talk about the importance of voting in this upcoming midterm election, November 2018. Now, First Lady Michelle Obama has a message out in the Internet about the importance of voting in this upcoming election. So you can go online and listen if you like and very, you know, and listen if you like to hear what she's saying and things like that. And then also we have the very charismatic and intelligent former President Barack Obama. He has also joined the ranks of talking to individuals about the importance of voting, among other things for this midterm election and the Democratic Party showing it up and, 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 you know, and we need to see a sea of blue in both houses and our governmental structure in this midterm, um, uh, midterm election. And listen, you know, 
listen, my message is about the importance of voting, you know, is very, very important, um, listeners. And I'm going to continue to talk about it, um, getting out and registering to vote and vote if you are registered. And it is, it's, it's, once again, it's just very important. And for our young people to vote, there was, and I still believe, do believe that there is a large momentum with our young people registering to vote. And I am certain that they are still out there doing their thing and uh, talking to the public. However, with all of the cray cray that is going on in our country, the powers to be in the media perhaps are not covering these events. And if you're not covering these events, shame on you. Our country is more than the insanity that continues to go on, you know, listeners like in Washington, D.C., for example, along with, you know, Les Moonves' departure from CBS. Now, don't get me wrong, these stories should be reported on, but not 1,700 times within the course of a day, for weeks the same story with no movement of improvement or really no new outcome, just a constant talk about the same thing. I feel that this great country of ours is more than the aforementioned. I still say that if the media would report on more uplifting stories that would increase hope, and it would increase um, uplifting of the spirits in our populace. Clearer heads would possibly prevail. It's just way too much doom and gloom being reported, listeners, you know. And and, and my thoughts and prayers, I want to say, um, you know, once again, um, I, I see something coming across about, the about um, you know, Florence. So, you, you know, I'm praying for you guys out there. God, this is terrible. So I am ending this segment. Get out there and vote. It is very important no matter what party you are affiliated with. Find out where your voting stations are, the hours they are open, and the hours they closed. Okay? Now, um, since we last talked, a lot has happened, including the transitioning of two fantastic individuals, Senator John McCain and Aretha Franklin. And I would like to offer my condolences to their families as they both did a fabulous job here on earth and may they now rest in peace. Okay, my lineup of topics to be discussed today are fantastic and they are the following. Dinner table conversation, only love knows love. A class act, are you one? Sexism, bias, and racism in the world of tennis. What in the hell is going on? And the economy is great, or is it really? So let's jump right into it. Let's start off with my dinner table conversation. Only love knows love. It's a beautiful thing, you know. And um, it is a saying that I had our minister, Reverend C. Rand, in Chicago um, state within my husband and our vows as we were married almost 22 years ago at the Omni Hotel on beautiful Michigan Avenue on Valentine's Day. And a lot of you out there may be saying, well, what's so beautiful about it? Well, if you've never been loved or you don't know what love really is, then the statement may be questionable to you. However, love is the embodiment of what our world was built from. God is love. Perhaps you might ask, why is being loved so important? Well, here is an answer from Quora.com. It states the following. It is so important because the number one force in the world is love. 
Love is what keeps this whole operation going and in place. It is so important to love because it gives us something to do, something to hope for, something to believe in, and something to invest in that makes life worth living. Now, I want to share a story with you of love. Now, this was being reported um, by the Huffington Post dot com um, on 9-2-2018 by David Bardin. And uh, it's titled, 99-Year-Old Man Walks Six Miles Every Day to Visit Wife in Hospital. And it goes like this. If you've ever wondered whether true love exists, look no further. Rather than hitch a ride with his daughter or wait for a bus, 99-year-old Luther Younger walks a six-mile round trip each day to visit his wife in the hospital. Waverly, this is, is his wife's name. She's been, uh, they've been married for more than 55 years and she has spent the past three weeks in the hospital with pneumonia and has been battling brain cancer since 2009. Even when the temperature soars to more than 90 degrees, there's nothing that can stop Younger making the trek to the bedside of his wife, a woman he describes as being the sweetest cup of tea he has ever had. Younger's daughter, Luthita, told Yahoo that her father, he doesn't have to make the walk, but he insists on it. I can drive him. He just doesn't want to wait. He's impatient, she said. The Korean War veteran told CBS News that the people who tell him to act his age are jealous because I don't drink, I don't smoke, because it's no good. I wouldn't be here if I did. Without my wife, I ain't nothing, he said. She is a beautiful lady, and she treats me as a person is supposed to be. She made a man out of me. That's why I love her, because she's tough. She's not weak. That's the kind of woman I want. She's the best cup of tea I've ever had. What a hard-filled story, listeners. Love is a powerful emotion, some may say. The man in this story has been married to his wife for more than half of his life. They are truly connected without any doubt. He recognizes how important she is to him. Love is a many splendor thing, an old song says. So listeners, if you choose to, ask at the dinner table, what is the definition of love? The responses will be interesting in a conversation within itself. Then ask, is there a difference in the feeling of being loved versus when you are not being loved? When your loved one is in need, such as the story I just talked about, would you consistently walk miles to get to them just so you can spend whatever time you can with them? Adrian Catron of HuffingtonPost.com says a couple of important things in this article, and I want to tell you about it. He says, if you don't know how to find love within you, you will never find it outside of you. And the only important question for you should be, am I experiencing love or not? Do you believe these statements to be true, listeners, or not? Gandhi stated, if you still are wondering why is love so important in our lives, the answer is that it satisfies the emotional needs of human beings. Human beings have an innate quality of giving and feeling love. It is this feeling of love which is responsible for the existence and maintenance of the society we live in. Do you believe the statement to be true? 
I find that this is very important, particularly now listeners. And uh, typically, if this is a topic you don't want to discuss, the important thing is to discuss a topic at the dinner table. And this way, it brings everyone together. Okay, let me now bring on my fantastic guest. His name is Reginald C. Campbell. He is my brother. And um, he is the world's best mental health therapist, okay? And uh, he is a great conversationalist, and um, he's just a smart guy. And so his sister on this end is a smart girl, okay? Welcome, Reginald, to my show. Hey, good morning, sis. Uh, good morning to all of our listeners. And um, uh, just, just want to acknowledge something that you said of, yeah, about the passing of uh, Senator John McCain and uh, Aretha Franklin, uh, but also mm-hmm. want to acknowledge the passing of um, my best friend, Alvin Jones. You know, he's a friend of our family. He was one of my two best guy friends, my other best guy friend, Dwayne Smith in Chicago and and, and Alvin Jones. And, uh, and Alvin passed two weeks ago today. Um, they're having a ceremony for him at the, uh, at the Yacht Club. Um, on Lakeshore Drive where he used to dock one of his boats. So, so I just wanted to acknowledge his passing and uh, acknowledge his wife and acknowledge his daughter, Tiff Tiff, who I still call Tiff Tiff, even though she's grown, Tiffany. So um, just wanted to pass that along. Okay. Fantastic. Well said. All right. We have a lot to talk about, so let's get into it. First of all, Reginald, I want to, talk about something i want to mention something very quickly okay and this is a tweet that um that person you know in the white house tweeted this morning all right and this was shared uh with me by my fantastic um engineer dave shout out to dave it goes like this reginald and my listeners 3,000 people did not die in the two hurricanes that hit puerto rico when I left the island after, and after is in large uh, characters, the storm had hit, okay? They had anywhere from 6 to 18 deaths. As time went by, it did not go up by much. Then a long time after, they started to report really large numbers like 3,000, more fake news from the dishonest mainstream media Will the liberal left ever stand up for the truth or will they just accept the brainwashing? Reginald, you know, you know, you always think that, okay, this is, this is a, a, a mental midget for sure. Okay. He's an uncaring individual. And for him to open up his mouth and say something like that is just more than off the chain. I know individuals and I have friends whose family members live there in, in, um, in Puerto Rico. And, um, I, you know, I'm just shaking my head, particularly after, uh, I just got through telling my listeners about the, you know, the importance of love. Apparently he's one who fits in the category of not knowing what love is. And he never will know what love is because there's an old saying that your bones are hard. Okay. And this means that, that you will, your bones are hard and you are not willing and you are not 
going to and you're not open minded and you don't want to be open minded to learn anything better. It is it's a shame that uh that this has been tweeted out the whole world is um able to hear this. Um we um were dubbed um you know one of the fantastic uh if, if not the most revered countries in this world, but yet look at what's what's coming out. You know what I'm saying? So I I just wanted to, you know, talk about that. It it um it it breaks my heart. It really does. But you know, nothing lasts forever but God's love. Um, do you have a comment real quickly, Reshon, before we move on? Well, <clears throat> yeah, Dave um passed that along to me um as he and I uh connected for when he placed the call to me. And um <clears throat> you know, just when you think that this imposter, that this traitor can say anything dumber, he always tops himself. He continues to top himself. And it's a, and, and, and it's a shame. Um, and when are people going to wake up? When are his so-called base even going, going to wake up? I was watching, uh, Morning Joe this morning and, uh, they had a poll and they were talking about that approximately 60-something percent of people um, uh, believe in, in Mueller and in what he's doing. Actually, I think, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's higher. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so the gig is up. You know, you can only, you know, you can only fool people, some people, some people you can fool them forever, but, they're, you know, most intelligent people, you cannot fool them forever. And this mm-hmm. game of fake media and fake news is is running dry, you know. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. If you're a comedian on the road, you can't tell the same joke that you told ten years ago because after a while, they loses his luster and it's like not funny anymore. So exactly, um, it's he's you know it's just it's it's a shame. I guess that's the only thing I can say is a shame. Well, these were three thousand well, Americans. These are American citizens, 3,000 mm-hmm. people, and there's no reason, you know, but, but it shows the state of mental illness, it shows the state of narcissism that this man has because it's all about him. Exactly. And, and, but, but, but the thing is, and let's not forget, um, you know, our brothers and sisters in the Virgin Islands either, you know, but, you know, for him to come out and tweet this and say that it's brainwashed, you know, well, um, he doesn't have a brain because if he had one, he would not have have tweeted this message. So, you know, I, I'm I'm just saying, listeners, you know that you know this is this is up to you. This is up to you. If you want to continue to have someone like this, um, uh, you know, sitting in the beautiful White House um, that was built by slaves, and um, and you want to continue to have, um, you know, our our country. Uh, you know, be viewed as um, being ran by a narcissist, a, a person who doesn't tell the truth, you know, a person who, you know, is scary. He's got the codes. He can jump off and say anything. I mean, you know, um, mental health is not my forte, but the thing is, is that I'm a very smart, intuitive woman, and I can tell a slime when I see one. That's all I'm going to say about that. So and this and actually makes quickly, I, a very I, I, good. I know we have. I know you want to move on. But just let me quickly say. Okay, this. make it make it. Yeah, real this, quick. You know, this is the same thing that 
that Hitler and Mussolini did. Mussolini was exactly. a newspaper man. You know, with Mussolini, he was don't believe in Hitler. It was whatever I put, whatever they say, don't 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 believe it. And their thing was to discredit the media. That's exactly. what Mussolini and Hitler did. And this is the same thing that Donald Trump is attempting to do. Exactly. And this is why I am I, I'm saying for the media to get out there and report, show the people that are vying against him. Show it. Show the you know, the young people that are out there getting the votes. Um, show the things that uh, President Barack Obama is saying. Show the things that Michelle Obama, Joe Biden and everybody else are, are saying. You know, listen to my program and other programs that are like it that are for the righteousness, because this is what is going to save us, because it's a very scary thing. Okay. now, as I was saying before, this is a good segue into my next topic, which is a class act. Are you one? Being a class act is an old saying. It is one that you can hear and see in individuals' performances, particularly in the movies back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s that is spoken by some of our most gifted actors and dignitaries, Reginald, such as Sidney Poitier, Fred Astaire, Rita Hayworth, Martin Luther King, Olivia de Havilland, Whoopi Goldberg, Oprah Winfrey, President Barack Obama, First Lady Michelle Obama, President Bill Clinton, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, and Joe Biden. Now, so many on the list that I cannot uh, read it because I only have a one-hour show. So exactly what is a class act? To me, a class act is an individual who consistently live and preferably sold their life by not settling for just anything or anyone. For example, people who deem themselves a class act do not eat any type of foods. They do not speak any type of way whether they are behind closed, door, closed doors or not. They will not dress any type of way, whether it is in a manner of how they present themselves to the public or to see themselves at home. The majority of society is wearing clothes that looks wrinkled or see-through, you know, and um, and a class act follows what looks good and tasteful on them, not just what everyone else is doing. To me, a person who is a class act moved to the beat of their own drum, a high-pitched one or one that no one else can mimic as it belongs only to them. A class act to me is a generous person, well-spoken, one who helps those in need, and one who displays intelligence, civility, morals, selflessness, respect, dignity, among other positive traits. Well, seemingly in our society, and I have talked about a similar subject before, presently it has been said by varying people, including myself, Reginald, that our society is delving down in the abyss of nothingness. Therefore, being a class act among our populace in this country is being eroded on a daily basis. Is it true? If this is true, why is class eroding in our country, society, regional, and is it important to be a class act? I'd like to hear your take on this. Well, being a class act, in my opinion, is uh, not only what, what, what you just articulated, but being a class act, First of all, it's respecting yourself and respecting others. It's, it's presenting yourself verbally, respectfully, and presenting yourself visibly, respectfully. Being a class act is helping mm -hmm. others when nobody else is around and, no, and there's no other media around, there's nobody mm -hmm. else around to give you kudos that you're doing it simply because it's the right thing to do. 
being a class act is respecting your elders, is respecting children, uh, is respecting those that are in authority. Being a class act is respecting your children, respecting your wife, respecting your husband, uh, respecting those people who are important to you or and those people who you come into contact with just on a daily basis or people who you come in contact with for the first time of your life in your life and you respect them with dignity and respect. Um, mm-hmm. uh, being a class act to me also is respecting your higher power, whatever um, form of spirituality that you choose to, to follow. And it's also respecting those who do not follow the same spirituality as you. Uh, so that's my definition of a class act. Okay. Fantastic. Well said. Let's move on. Um, sexism, bias, and racism in the world of tennis. Now, Reginald, I know that you um, are privy to what happened between Serena Williams and Naomi Osaka tennis uh, match this past Saturday. Serena Williams lost to Naomi Osaka, who is um, Japanese and Haitian. Her mom is Japanese. Her father is Haitian. She was raised in America. However, she plays for Japan. For all of you out there who may not know this bit of background, and this is why I'm giving it to you. There is so much controversy following this match, Reginald, because of the manner in how Serena reacted to the treatment from the umpire, Carlos Ramos. It is being reported that she overreacted. Uh, Vox.com on September 10, 2018, reported by Alex Abad Santos, states in part the following. The 2018 U.S. uh, Women's Open final will absolutely go down in history, but... Not because of how Williams and Osaka played, instead it will be remembered for the conversation it spurred about Williams' hard-fought legacy in tennis and sexism and double standards in the in the spot. Um, in the blink of the eye, the score went from Williams being down four to three to her being down five to three and serving to stay in the championship. Now, people all over the world are still replying what happened, like trying to unravel a knot. Was Williams treated unfairly? Uh, was her outburst out of the line? Was she treated like her male counterparts, counterparts would have been if they'd behave exactly like she did? Now, Williams um, committed three violations for which she would ultimately be fined 17000 After the match, she was officially penalized for a coaching warning, which was 4000 uh rack abuse, which is 3000 and verbal abuse, which was 10000 No one is suggesting that Williams didn't violate ITF rules. Rather, it's how the penalties were issued and whether Ramos issued them fairly, fairly. That is spurring controversy and debate. Now, Reginald, I grew up watching tennis and as a fan of the sport, and I can recall the abusive behaviors of Connors and McEnroe uh, back in the day, all the way up, all the way up to. Uh, the present men that are that are now playing Raphael and and all of the rest of the guys, for example, and the amount of time spent holding up the game as they men went through the distasteful speeches. They were hollering, throwing tennis rackets, and dressing down the umpire, for example. Now, according to Stephen A. Smith of ESPN, he stated that Serena was wrong, and somebody has to say it. So he said he will say it, and that she was brought. The issue, and she brought the issue of gender and sexism into the argument, and that is when she lost, he said. 
He, the umpire, operated within the rules of the game. It was the conduct of Serena when the umpire operated, uh, that the operate, that the umpire operated on and that he was given, and then he also has given, uh, Venus, um, a hard time, he noted. And then, um, Wendy Williams said that, and I'm paraphrasing, on her telecast this past money that she, um, that she, meaning Serena Williams, was wrong regarding how she addressed the issue on the court, as her behavior is how white people look at women of color who is upset as an angry black woman, and she should have said nothing, just continue playing and go change her clothes and address the issue um, in the interview that they do after the game is done, and however that is the just of it, what Wendy Williams said. Now, I totally disagree. However, there is also the despicable cartoon drawn by cartoonist Mark Knight depicting Serena Williams in a way that is very reminiscent of the ugly and distasteful cartoons that were, and in some cases still are, being drawn and showing people of color in a disgraceful and untruth manner, being displayed as a buffoon, lost, angry, fat, big lips, looking for handouts, none of which is true. Asaka being displayed as an innocent white girl with a blonde ponytail. So who got it wrong? Your comments, Reginald? Well, first of all, I couldn't give less than a damn what Wendy Williams or Stephen A. Smith says, so let me start off with that, because their opinion means nothing to me. Their opinion to me, in my opinion, is worth a bucket of warm spit. Uh, the second thing, McEnroe, and other guys, and I, you know, since follow tennis all my life, being a sports enthusiast as well, that McEnroe, I mean, he was famous for arguing and, and, and dressing down verbally umpires, where it was, you know, the sports announcers were waiting for it. That was their, that was their highlight, so they can show the highlights of, of how John McEnroe behaved and, and his out-of-control behavior, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so, but but when and, and other uh, male tennis players have come out and said, yeah, I've said more worse things to an umpire than um, than what uh, Serena Williams has said. But the problem with oh, yeah. people is when you call them on their BS. You know, that's like you throw a rock in a in a pack of dogs. The dog that yelps is the one that got hit. So you know. Ramos is is yelping, and he's the one who got he's the one who got hit. He knows mm-hmm. that. The other thing, this young uh, uh, Miss Osaka, this young woman, she's a she's a young woman of color. Y- you know, uh, right? Her 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 dad is black, Haitian. Well, he's black, uh, and her mother is is Japanese. She's she's a young woman of color. So, my thing is, how long will it be before? since they finally found out that she's a, a young woman of color. Um, and even if her dad wasn't black and she was all Japanese, she would still be a woman of color. How long will mm-hmm. it be before they start to uh, try and disparage her for being a young woman of color? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, here's the thing. Let's not forget, too, Reginald, that McEnroe made millions of dollars from commercials displaying his behavior on the court. Okay. And, um, and the, as far as the umpire, you could tell that he didn't appreciate being dressed down by Serena. And I really don't care. I'm all team Serena and I'm also team Osaka 
but but this is all about Serena right now. Okay, so we we you know the thing is is that the media needs to move on. This is what I've said earlier um about the reporting, you know, stop talking about it. It's done, it's over. Serena will never there will never be another Serena Williams. She is the in my opinion, the ultimate, the fantastic. And stop referring to this young lady as another Serena, a young Serena. Serena is still young. Age means nothing. See, this is why people, you know, uh, you know, get old and everything because they're so encrypted with age, in, in, uh, which limits them in their life, you know, in their mind, Reginald. Um, there would never be another Serena. There would never be anyone to win the grand uh, slams and things like that, the way she handled in it. There, there will never be another one. God only made one of us. Each one of us are unique. So they need to stop saying that. And also, no one is taken away from the fact that Naomi Osaka played extremely well. She is fantastic. You know, there's no doubt. And Serena is fantastic as well. And as I said before, there would never be another of her caliber. You know, she was very consoling to Naomi and telling her that this is her moment. Congratulations. And if you have not looked at the match, please go online and do so, because there's a lot of things that was not reported that happened in the match that, you know, like, you know, she was being coached and all that, you know, whatever. And if you, um, you know, and, and then see what, you know, your your conclusions are. You know, but um, I don't I didn't care for what, you know, I, I'm uh, you know, I'm reporting these stories and I'm going to state my opinion um, um, and uh, opinions about it. I really don't care what Wendy Williams said. I'm just saying this for my viewers. I don't care what this other uh, gentleman said. I don't care. This is for my viewers. They have their right to their opinion. And uh, in my in my uh, um, um, in my uh, opinion, they were wrong. You know, it's sickening. It really is sickening. Okay, let's move on, Reginald. What in the hell is going on? And ABC News um, um, reported on 9-11-2018 by uh, Joyetta Bywas, white man takes out gun to stop black students from entering apartment building. A video of a tense encounter between black students and a white man in Florida has prompted a police investigation after it went viral on Twitter. The video posted by one of the students of Florida A&M University, Isaiah Butterfield, shows the man holding a gun and using his body to prevent these students, Reginald, from entering a building of student housing uh, that is a student housing complex this past Saturday. Now, the video has been viewed by uh, more than 320 times um, on Twitter. So... Butterfield said in a tweet, we are sick of the discrimination. Never thought I had a personal experience with racism like this. The incident is under investigation under Florida statute of aggravated assault with deadly weapon without intent to kill, the Tallahassee Police Department said. Once we found out he had a gun, it turned into a whole different situation, Butterfield told ABC. We really think he was trying to provoke us to point to the point where he got violent so he could retaliate with the gun, Reginald. All right. He wanted to he wanted to get his sick on. I knew that if this dude ever feels threatened, he's going to find an excuse to pull the trigger. OK, then Crandall came out again to re, uh, re to reiterate the point, And that's when Butterfield started recording the events on his phone. Now, that was also another white student that was in the resident of the building. He tried to intervene on their behalf and let them in, urging Crandall to keep walking and just 
go about your day. Now, here's the thing, Reginald and my listeners. This Crandall person doesn't even live in the building. He doesn't even work in the building. He's not the janitor or, or anything else in the building. And this also um, goes um, hand in hand with the, the horrified incident with the female white police officer, Amber Geiger, for shooting another black man in his own apartment. His name was Botham Shame, you know, in his own apartment in Dallas, Texas, listeners. Now, this is this was being reported on CNN 9-11. Um, by um, Anna uh, Stapletorn, Darren Simon, and Elliot C. Um, McLaughlin. Now, the police officer, this pisses me off. She made the $300,000 bond, okay? Now, her thing is that, you know, she was entering the building, and um, she went up to the fourth floor. She lived on the third floor. The apartments uh, uh, were identical in layout. This, This is what they're saying. And the re- there's the reports is that she was knocking on the door, bamming on the door, probably the, the police officer, bam. All right. And uh, my thing is, is that he probably came to the door, Reginald, opened the door, and then that's when she shot him. She said she entered the apartment and then discovered, oh, my God, this is not my apartment. What the hell is going on, Reginald? Uh, welcome to Trump's America. That's what's going on. Thank you. Um, my other thing was, I was uh, as you were reading the first story, I was thinking, is this man a student? Is he the the janitor? Is he the, the custodian? He he he's nothing, nothing but you know. Again, welcome to Trump's America. It's a shame that she uh, made bail. Now she says that. Thank you. Well, well I mistook mistook my apartment now. I, and I'm sure a lot of our uh, listeners and you as well, have lived in apartment buildings. Yes. Say you, okay, for instance, my my complex here in, in, in Chandler, I, I'm on the, the second of third floor. Not once have I gone to the third floor to the apartment that's right above mine to mistake it for mine. Not once. When I lived in Chicago and I lived in an apartment, I lived on the second floor. Not once did I mistake the third floor for the second floor. You mentally, mm-hmm. you know that, hey, I, I live on the second floor or I live on exactly. the third floor. Also, let's say you made that mistake, which I don't believe to make sure you made that mistake. Your key is not going to work if you stick it in the door. So mm-hmm. so how can you mistake? I mean, that's, that's, that's such a made-up, lame-ass story, you know, um, now, there are other people who are saying what I was reading yesterday, other people who kind of saw and witnessed it were saying that the officer was saying, let me in. Yeah. Let me yeah. In. Yeah. So so it's not like she walked in, took her key out, walked in into the apartment and discovered this silhouette, as she says, in, in her apartment. So so, mm-hmm. so this story does not have legs. You know, I mean, exactly. this, this, this is a stupid made up story. But again, yes, this, it is. This, this is Trump's America. But nobody's yes. going to tolerate this Trump's America. Yes. Um, yeah, exactly. And, you know, there is a saying that the fish rots from the head. OK. And it is definitely true. The thing is, is that, you know, I, I reported on my show so many times if common sense was common, dot, dot, dot. OK. 
If you're doing something wrong, you know it, you feel it. All right. So the, the police chief, a woman of color, as she was reading her, 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 uh, speech, she said that the officer, that they did draw blood and, uh, to see if the officer was on drugs or, or whatever. You know, um, I, I have, um, um, I have many, you know, police officer, you know, uh, friends and acquaintances out here. And the thing is, is that what, you know, I've been told particularly by one that's from Chicago is that they used to give psychological examinations in the beginning when you get on the police force and then during the time you're on the police force, at least a couple of times a year. They don't do that anymore. Okay. And I, and I think that it needs to be reinstitution, uh, re, you know, redone. I'm sorry. Um, in the, in the, in the, in the police, uh, among the police force because this is way too much. I'm happening. You know, you get off on the wrong floor. You know, don't you feel that feel is different? You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Don't you feel like, oh, my God, you know, I made a I made a mistake. I'm not darn it. I got off on the fourth floor. I need to be on the third floor. And then you stick your key in the door and you're bamming on the door. Let me in. Let me in. Why are you talking about let me in? You know, I mean, it's 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 just it's just gone way too far this this Crandall person that I was speaking on before Reginald as I stated before he did not live in the building he wasn't a janitor or anything else and I understand that he got fired from his job okay which is what should have happened yeah it should it should have been arrested not only fired from his job but it should have been arrested as well exactly exactly and then uh going back on this Reginald he was being very um psych you know um you know, being very stupid with these young, with these young, um, uh, men of color. And then, you know, you had, you had, um, um, uh, some white, uh, uh, young guys that came out and they were, you know, on his ass too, you know, and, and he was telling them, oh, no, you're not gonna, he wasn't, he was provoking them, Reginald. He was standing in front of them. He wouldn't let them off the elevator. He wouldn't let them on the elevator. He wouldn't let them in the door. He would, I mean, just, just stupid shit. I mean, it's, you know, it's just totally ridiculous all the way to when you told me yesterday about, you know, your encounter with this guy with this big ass truck and uh, he's going to turn his lights on in the daytime. Okay, he's going to turn his lights on thinking that some kind of way he's maybe blinding you. It's 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 sunny out here. So your lights aren't going to bother me, fool. You know, so I, I don't know what kind of drugs he was on, but it definitely is. You know, the fish rotted, uh, is rotting from the head, head, and that's Trump all the way. Okay. Now let's get on to the next thing. The economy is doing great, or is it really? This is a report by ucdavis.com, and the title of it is, What is the current poverty rate in the United States? Current estimates on poverty in the U.S. according to poverty.usdavis.com. Now, they're boasting that the economy is great, my listeners and Reginald. However, the middle class is eroding and there are more children in this country that are underserved. They are starving. Uh, they're not being fed. There are more families that are not being attended to. They're starving, not, not fed. But then there also was a report that the rich are getting richer. Okay. The official poverty rate is 12.7% based on the U.S. Census Bureau 2016 estimates. The year 
that year, an estimated 43.1 million Americans lived in poverty, according to the official measure. According to supplemental poverty measure, the poverty rate was 14.0%. The official poverty uh, measure was developed in 1960s in conjunction with President uh, Johnson's War on Poverty. Now, the official measure today is based on data from the current population survey annual social and economic supplement. The survey is sent to U.S. households, so the poverty estimates uh, do not include those who are homeless. Now, the sample also excludes military personnel who do not live at at least one civilian, you know, at least one civilian adult as well as incarcerated adults. Now, Rachel, unfortunately, for over 13 million kids in this country, going to school hungry is the norm. One in five children in the United States live in food, you know, live, you know, food in, in food insecure households, sorry, which means that lack uh, consistent success to, um, you know, they don't have enough food. And this is being reported March, uh, you know, 2017. And um, I want to just point out a couple of good websites um, for my listeners to go on. There's reading, writing, and hunger. More than 13 million kids in this country, and um, it's on the uh, WashingtonPost.com. And also, six startling facts about children hungry in the U.S. and how you can help. Okay. Now, it also says that an estimated 48.8 million Americans, including 16.2 million children, living in households that lack um, the means to get enough nutritious food on a regular basis. As a result. Once again, one in five children go hungry at some point during, you know, during the year. This is being reported in, you know, July 2016. And as you know, it takes them time to gather up information. I do not have it. 2018 is still going on. So and I don't have all of the stats from 2017. As I said, it's about every two years. All these stats are accumulated. But my point is, uh, Reginald and my listeners, if the economy is so doggone great, is so doggone vibrant, why are people starving? Why are our children going to bed hungry in this nation? You understand what I'm saying? Well, in my opinion, the reason it's happening is because people don't care, and that's not a priority. Children, mm-hmm. even though these politicians walk around with their um, – uh, with their stupid speeches and everything, talk about how they care about veterans. They don't, and it shows how we talk about children. They don't. Um, is, is the economy better? Is the economy good? Yes, it is the economy better than it was eight years ago, ten years ago, when President Obama walked into the office? Yes, it is. But, but however, unfortunately, um, it, you know, it takes more um, um, than just a booming economy to take care of those uh, important people in our lives. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you talk about the Department of Education, how they are whittling down the Department of Education not to do any in anything. So, so you have these departments, um, but what they do, what the Republicans have done, is even though they hate the Department of Education. They'll put an incompetent person like Nancy DeVos in there to destroy it. Exactly. So, 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 so this is this is what this is what they do. Um, but in the meantime, giving um, tax breaks to millionaires and billionaires who don't need them, and a mm-hmm. lot of billionaires have said, "Look, I don't need another tax break." 
You know, this isn't something, this isn't something that I need. So, you know, that's why it's important for people to get out and vote um, this November, which is coming along where what the 14th already. So this is, so this is coming up. And, you know, we need to make our voices heard because as a country, as a society, and as a people, we can do better, and we have to do better by, by children. We have mm-hmm. to do better by our by veterans, and, and we have to do better just by families. We have to. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, is that, you know, there – you know, I don't know how people can can just go to sleep at night knowing that, you know, children are starving in this world, that anybody is starving, um, you know, in this world, that anyone is starving in our nation. You know, this is why we need to pay attention. We never know if our neighbor could be having an issue or um, or anything like that, you know, that you can uh, lend a hand to, to help your neighbor. But people, they, they, they rather, you know, they rather be mean and crass and, you know, and not pay attention to what's going on around them. The only time that they'll yell, that they'll yell ouch is when something happens to them, you know. Um, but, um, I want to also move into talking about, um, at, you know, an article that, that also, um, I didn't, I did not put it on my list, but, is the detention of migrant children has skyrocketed to highest levels ever. Now, this is September 12th. Now, this is what I'm saying, listeners. You know, there's there's a lot of things that need to be um, talked about. They may talk a little bit about uh, certain things, such as, um, you know, with the children that are still uh, being held, um, you know, in these centers. Uh, the article is uh, written by Caitlin Dickerson. And this is on the New York Times. It says, even though hundreds of children separated from their families after crossing the border have been released under court order, the overall number of detained migrant children has exploded to the highest ever recorded. A significant counter narrative to the Trump administration's efforts to reduce the number of undocumented families coming to the United States. Okay. The population levels at federally contracted shelters for migrant children have quietly shot up more than fivefold since last summer, according to data obtained by the New York Times, reaching a total of 12,800 this month. There were 2,400 such children in custody in May 2017. What the hell is that, Reginald? Yeah, um, wow. Isn't that staggering? I'm sorry? That's staggering. Those numbers are staggering, you know, that that you, you know, you know, I'm just going to say it. You know, a lot of this is just very reminiscent to how, you know, to what they did in, you know, in World War Two and everything, you know, Reginald, with the with the Jews in the camps and stuff. I mean, it's you know what I'm saying? It's on that level. I I just had to say it is very sad. But, you know, go go ahead. Yeah, actually, I was thinking a couple of days ago before coming across the story about um, uh, about about these children. And I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, the news media has gotten really quiet about uh, these these children that are that are in these what I call detention camps. Um, and this is still happening. 
Um, mm-hmm. The majority of these children um, have not been reunited with their with their families, with their parents. Yes, mm-hmm. a lot of these, the parents have been deported to back to their their home country, or the country where they they uh, left to to escape poverty and and physical abuse and things like that, and they have no way of reconnecting these children. So this mm-hmm. is still happening, but this story isn't the latest story. It doesn't have any legs, as they say in the news in the news business. That you know, it was the flavor of the month or the flavor of the week, and now they've moved on to something else. But the but in the meantime, in between time, this is still happening. This is still you know a really Scar on the history of this country. Of oh, this country, yes. On the history of this country. What about children? What about these kids? What does it say to us as a nation, as a society, as a people, that something like this is happening? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just here in this country, and this is yeah, and, yes, and this is what I was saying um, earlier. Um, in my broadcast, Reginald and my listeners, that, you know, you boast this country to be great. Well, be great. Be great. You know, you're loving and kind or whatever. Be loving and be kind. And uh, the reason that I'm reporting on this, Reginald, um, you know, is to take the words right out of your mouth. It's like, you know, okay, they're very quiet about this. So what? So what is going on? The article goes on to say the huge increases which have placed the federal shelter systems near capacity are due not to an influx of children entering the country, but a reduction in the number being released to live with their families and other sponsors. The data collected by the Department of Health and Human Services suggests. Now, some of those work in the migrant shelter network say the bottleneck is straining both the children and the system that cares for them. So here, here we go, Reginald, with, you know, the use of the taxpayer's money right. for a dirty deed. Right. This is not what the taxpayer's money is what is, is deemed for. Instead of it heightening our educational system, instead of it shoring up our foundations, we got crumbling bridges. Instead of it um, you know, influxing, you know, the EPA so that we can have clean air so that we can fucking breathe every damn day. This is what the Trump's administration is doing. And it's no different than what Hitler was doing, people. It's no different. Trust me, it's no different. Your last comments on that, Reginald? You know, it's, it's just a shame before the, before the eyes of God. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, again, it's just mind blowing that something like this is happening to people in our country. And, and it's just mind blowing that this is the attitude that our government has regarding mm-hmm. these people. You know, I mean, I mean, it's a shame. All, everyone is, is a human being. Everyone is loved in the eyes of God and everyone should be respected. This is not exactly. in the country how we are supposed to act. It is not. And, I it, mean, and it's, it's wrong. It's, it's very reminiscent also, Reginald, of Joe Arpaio's tent city here uh, in Arizona. And one other thing, because I'm running out of time, uh, the closer um, they get to 100 percent, 
the less ability they will have to address anything unforeseen, said Mark Greenberg, who oversaw the care of migrant children for the Health and Human Services Department under President Barack Obama. Even if there's not a sudden influx, they will be running out of capacity soon unless something changes. This is this is very this is very sad, uh, listeners, and this is why um, I'm I'm saying the importance of voting. You know, we have to change this. This cannot continue. And also, I, I will be coming back um, in in two weeks reporting. But when but when um, um, I do come back, um, I'm going to be reporting um, on on um, you know this you know this uh, the, things going on in Russia. It also, uh, in the words of the, of the Wabbit Man and Warner Brothers, uh, you know, that's gotten very, very quiet. And why is that, Reginald? So I think that we, we need to talk about it. You know what I mean? Cause it's a scary situation. You know, it's a scary situation when you think about it. You don't know what, uh, Trump and, and Putin said behind those closed doors. You know, the, the, they had said that they were going to get with the American translator that went bye bye. You know, never heard anything else about that. You know, so it, they don't need to have another meeting. He's done, he's done his, he's done his, 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 um, his deed with, with this, with the, you know, two devils together. That's how I look at it. You know what I'm saying, Reginald? Yeah, I don't see why it's, it's a hard thing to get to call this translator. Uh, to a meeting or, or to court or or to have her have her testify, you, you exactly. know. I mean, why is it why is it a difficult thing for that? You know, you were Be- in there in that meeting translating with the the current occupant of of the White House and and Vladimir Putin. Exactly. And nobody else, no one else knows what went on behind closed doors. There were Russian reporters, but no American reporters. That's crazy. You know, are you are, are you kidding me? That's I mean, crazy. You know, talk, crazy talk as about, hell. Talk about treason. Talk yeah. about treason. You know, are you kidding me? Exactly. I get that. I guess that goes under the under his stupid saying of fake news as well. Well, Reginald, I am out of time, and um and I this was a very um good um um uh, conversations um uh, that we had on a lot of on a lot of uh, varying uh topics. Um, um, I just want to say in closing people to, to be kind, um, to one another, uh, to be respectful to one another. And remember all of that starts with you, kindness and respect. If you, if you are kind to yourself and you respect yourself, then it's going to outflow to others. Okay. I will be returning. <coughs> Excuse me. As I said, in two weeks, Reginald, thank you for, um, be always being ever present with your conversations. This is Teresa E. Keys. Here's Teresa. Have a great day. Be safe.